Good morning, church. Let's worship together. You know, I was sticking out before. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You've been so, so kind to me. your foe, still your love fought for me. You've been so, so good to me when I felt no worth. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You've been so, so
give him a hand this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your love.
how many believe the King is alive this morning? trust you, Lord, this morning.
against all those against him will fall for our God is stronger he can do all things no higher name no higher name we can call for Jesus but Jesus is greater we can do all things all those against and all those against him will fall for our God is against us on all sides. The life is hitting us square in the face right now. As long as we stand on your firm word and your firm foundation, solid rock, we will not be shaken. We will not fall. We will not faint. We can run the race. You're a good God. You promise that you'll protect us. This morning, we thank you for the promise of Jesus and his return. That no matter what we have to face until that day, we will not be shaken. We will stand on your firm word. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning. We come and lift up the name of Jesus. We love you and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone in this place said, Amen. You can be seated. We will not be shaken. There's only one that we can trust in, 100%, and his name is Jesus. I want to welcome you this morning. Thank you for uh, being here. Uh, we are uh, excited that we are continuing to be able to worship together. And uh, for those that uh, are online, we want to welcome you as well. And um, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And as we begin to look at that, we realize that the book of Proverbs can give us a, a, a fresh perspective on the way that we see God. You see, I believe that, that how that we see God is how we relate to Him. How you see God in, in oftentimes has a great deal to to do with the way you were raised. 
We have a lot of people. What I love about our church is that we have a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. And um, when I went to college, uh, I saw the same thing. I went to a, a liberal arts college, a Christian liberal arts college, and, and but there was a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds coming together in one place. And one thing that, that I learned very quickly was that the, the way that, that people viewed God determined their attitude toward Him. And what I mean by that is, is if you were raised in a very legalistic way, if you were raised in a way that said, you know what, God is just waiting for you to mess up so that he can beat you over the head. He's just waiting for you to mess up so that, that there can be a lightning bolt that comes down from the heavens. He's a, a giant dictator in the sky. If you were raised that way, your perspective and the way that you live your life is reflected in that. You see, if you believe that, then the last thing that you want to do is to try to draw close to him. It's exactly the opposite. Well, what you try to do is, is you try to stay as far away as possible from him. You're going to try to hide from him. You're just going to hope that, that he doesn't see your mistakes. But on the other hand, if you see God for who he really is, if you see God as a God of love, a God of mercy, a God of grace, a God of compassion, a God who heals, a God who saves. If you can see him in that manner, then I believe that you will pursue more of him. You see, we have to be able to see God for who he really is. And when you can see God rightly, you'll pursue him with everything in you. The Bible tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. If you have ever been on a diet, everybody here has probably been on a diet at some point in your life, except the teenagers probably. But the worst thing that you can do if you're on a diet is just you go to a birthday party and you see that chocolate cake. And you're looking at it and you're like, oh, just one bite won't hurt. Just, just, it's not going to hurt me. But you get that on your lips, and it's like, man, I forgot what that tasted like. And the next thing you know, your face is covered in chocolate. And, and you, you, you look like, you know, the two-year-old that they put the cake in front of them, and they take pictures, and you've got it all over your face. Because you forgot how good that it tasted. And I believe that in our lives, a lot of times, that it's been so long since we tasted and saw that the Lord was good. And that we go through life not realizing and understanding. But when you can just get a taste of the goodness of God, when you can get a taste of the mercy of God, I believe you'll want more of it. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 tells us this, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. It says the wisest thing that you can do in this entire world is to get wisdom. But the problem with trying to get wisdom is, is that it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. There's a parable that Jesus tells in the book of Matthew chapter 13. It's the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. 
And in chapter 13, verse 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. He sold everything that he owned. Why? Because he found that he had found something of great value. And the same thing is true in our pursuit of God. And my desire this morning is, is that you will find a, a nugget, a pearl, that will cause you and, and want, make you want to sell out to Him. James chapter 3, verse 17 tells us this, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. What James is telling us here is, listen, that, that wisdom that we need comes from above. Now, the world wants you to think that we need to get our wisdom from them. The world wants us to, to listen to them and their ways. But what I'm talking about this morning is a wisdom that comes from walking with God. What I'm talking about is an inner peace that comes from seeking Him. It comes from pursuing Him with everything that's in you. You see, the, the fear of the Lord isn't necessarily to be afraid of God, but it's to be in awe of Him. You see, our lives are all about perspective. Something that was hammered into me as a young minister was, was perception, perspective is reality. And the way that, that we see God, the way that we perceive God, if we live our life that is in fear of God, then it will view, it will change the way that we view Him. And this morning, I want to talk about three things that you can use to judge your own heart. That three things and the ways that, that you see God, the way that you view God in your own life. Three ways that you can say, do I really have the right perspective of who He is? You see, He is a God of love. He is a God of compassion. He's also a holy God. He's also a jealous God. He's all of these things. The first thing that I want us to see God as is God is awesome. He's awesome. Now, in the society that we live in, the world that we live in, we use that word a lot. People will say, man, that was awesome. Maybe we use it too much because it's, it's just it's so common. That was awesome. Um, I was thinking about something in my life, something that I just came upon and, and maybe I, I saw for the first time and it just, I was in awe of it. And uh, you may or may not know, I'm a huge baseball fan. We're only about 10 days away from uh, baseball starting. And, um, but the first time that, that I, I had heard about how awesome the, the Reds Hall of Fame was, and, uh, but I had never been. And the first time that I walked in to that building, all of the things that I had heard about and, and all the, 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 the articles that I had read about the Big Red Machine, and, and they had all this memorabilia. And then they had statues 
of former players. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, bronze statues. or I'm talking about statues that they made look like it was real life. They made it look like that it was real. And I looked at it and I thought, wow, that's awesome. My daughter looked at it, and she was a little scared by it because she thought that, that they were way too real. She, I think she thought maybe that, that these guys had died and they had just stuffed them, you know, and put them up there because they looked that real. But it was so awesome. Now, you, may, you maybe could care less about the Reds Hall of Fame, but there's probably something in your life that you can think about and you can think, man, that's awesome. Husbands, this would be a good time to look at your wife and say, baby, you're awesome. Nobody did it? Okay. You missed your chance. I'll give you another one here later. But when we begin to think about things in our life that are awesome, and then we begin to think, if man can make something that awesome, how much more awesome is heaven going to be? How much more awesome is God? He's greater. He's more awesome than anything that we can imagine or we can think of. Psalm chapter 33 verse 8 tells us this. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of Him. Stand in awe of Him. When Moses and, and the children of Israel, when they had crossed the Red Sea, and when they got to the other side, and they turned around, and they saw that the armies that were pursuing them had been engulfed, had been swallowed up, they got to the other side, and they realized that, that God had delivered them with His strong right hand, and they're standing there, He had moved on their behalf, and they began to sing a song. Exodus chapter 15, verse 11, goes like this. It said, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders? You raised your right hand, and the earth swallowed our enemies. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. The peoples hear and tremble. Anguish grips those who live in Philistia. Here they are. They get to the other side, and they see how awesome God is, and they begin to, to sing this song. When we come in here every Sunday, and we begin to, to sing, it's not just to take up 15 or 20 minutes. It's not just so that, that we can say that well, we've done our duty. It's because we understand that God is awesome. We understand that He is worthy of our praise and our worship. And so when they get to the other side, they begin to sing this and they say, you know, God is lovely. He is powerful. He is awesome. I mean, what they had experienced at that moment was a God moment. Something that happened that should not have happened. Something that happened with no other explanation. There's no way other than God that the sea parted, that they walked through it. That when their enemies began to walk through it, that it crashed around them. That was a God moment. I believe that we all have a God moment in our life. 
When I was 17 years old, I rolled a car. I should have died. I mean, when the cop looks at you and says, I didn't expect anybody to, to be walking out of this accident. And I climbed out of my car and I had Mylon Lefevre blaring in the background. And I looked at my feet and there was my Bible. I can tell you that in my life, that was a God moment. Something happened that shouldn't have happened. Something had taken place that there was no other explanation for. And I could tell you even more details as, as to how that I know that it was a God moment. And I look through this congregation today and, and I've had so many people share with me your stories. Things that you have been through that you know that was, there's no other way but God. You shouldn't even be here today. All the stupid things that you did growing up, you shouldn't even be here. All the things that you've went through, you, you shouldn't even be in your right mind. But God. But God. He's awesome. We have to view Him that way. He is a good God. But not only is He just a good God, we also need to remember and view and realize that God is holy. He's holy. Psalm chapter 99 verse 5 tells us this, Exalt the Lord our God, bow low before His feet, for He is holy. He's holy. I mean, it's easy to, to, to stand and raise our hands and, and, and to proclaim when things are going good and, and to realize that He's awesome and, and shout for the good things that He has done. But then when it comes to, to this part, our culture has a way that we have made God way too common. We've made Him way too common. We have tried to bring Him down from His throne into our world. We've tried to, to get him down on our level. I'll even hear people refer to God as, you know, the big man upstairs. When in reality, he is Lord and Savior. He's everlasting Father. He is the soon-to-come King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the one who restores hope in, into a hopeless situation. He's the one who can give us eternal life. He's holy He's a loving God, and respecting Him is equivalent to fearing Him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29 tells us this. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. He said, he's not just a good God, but he is a holy God. As we are in 2020, methods have changed the way that we do church. Church looks a lot different than it did when I was growing up. It probably looks a, a lot different in many cases than it looked like when you were growing up. The methods may change, but the message is still the same. Why? The message hasn't changed because he hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter the method 
that we use to proclaim the message. There still has to be a a standard of holiness. There still has to be a, a reverence and a respect for the holy things of God. I mean, the fear of God isn't a bad thing. To be in all of Him and to realize that He is holy is not a bad thing, but it's the best thing. When the disciples came to Jesus and they said, will you teach us how to pray? What did He do? He said, sure. And how did He start? He started with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed there means to make holy. Your name, his name is holy. It's the exact opposite of making something common. You see, God doesn't change. He's the same. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said, he said, I saw the Lord and I saw him high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And then he says this, he said, I saw him and then I saw me. And I realized that I am a a man of unclean lips. You see, when we begin to see God for who he really is, when we begin to see God of how holy that he is, and then we see ourselves for who we are, there's no doubt why that we may try to keep our distance. Well, we may try to make God a, a little more common. We, maybe it's because we realize, and, and there's some things in our life that we don't want to change. You see, God is a holy God, and the closer that you get to him, just like Isaiah, the closer that you get to him, and he will invite you to take a step up in your life, to take a step toward him. I mean, he tells us in the word to be holy because he's holy. And seeing God as holy, should do, it shouldn't make us feel condemned, but it should stir us and motivate us to holy living. It should make us ask the question, how can I live my life in a way that pleases you? How can I live my life in a way that God, that makes you smile? How can I live my life as worship to you? You see, worship's not just what we do when we come in here on Sundays. Worship is not just lifting our hands uh, on a Sunday morning or, or putting on some praise music. Worship is how that we live our life. Worship is how we do our job at work. Somebody said, oh, God's watching that? Absolutely. Everything that we do is worship. And what happens is is when we begin to live our life as worship and we begin to to see God as awesome, it will change the way that I worship. When I begin to to see Him as holy, it will change the way that I live my life. I will understand that, that I'm not living for me anymore, but I'm living for Him. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 tells us this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. He said, present your bodies as a sacrifice. Realize that Jesus has given everything for us and be willing to give everything for him. We can only do that When we realize that he's holy, that he deserves it. You see, we can't 
live that way if we don't understand that and don't realize that. Thirdly, God is right. God is right. No matter how you feel about it, no matter whether you agree with it or not, he's right. You have somebody in your life that, I know that I I have a couple people in my life that I'm pretty sure that they have never been wrong. Never been wrong. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, I honestly, I don't think they've ever been wrong. As much as I want them to be wrong, and I'm sure they are at some point, but, but to me, they've all, now, husbands, this would be a, another chance. Look at your wife and say, baby, you're never wrong. And don't be sarcastic. You get a black eye. But as much as we would like to always be right, we know that nobody is ever always right. It may seem that way. But can I tell you that God is always right? God is always right. And the greatest evidence of God in our life is when we can understand that he's right and we say, you know what, I'm going to be obedient to him. I'm not talking about partial or delayed obedience, but I'm talking about full obedience. Why? Because he is right. Psalm chapter 128 verse 1 tells us this. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. And then Psalm chapter 19, verse 7 through 11 tells us, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear. Are you catching a theme here? Giving Yeah, giving insight for living. Verse 9, reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who, who obey them. So here David is saying, listen, the commandments of God are perfect. The commandments of God, there's no flaws. What does that mean? That means if if I'm going to to be in obedience to him, if I'm going to, to view him the way that he needs to be viewed, I have to understand that he's always right. I can't just pick and choose what I want. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. They're yes, and they're amen. What does that mean? That means you can count on His Word. His word in your heart, David said, is more precious than anything that you can own in this life. Anything that you can pursue. Anything that you can go after. His word is more precious than that. Why? Because he's always right. You see, we see a lot of people who have a a Burger King kind of lifestyle. What that means is is you know that, that Burger King's slogan it used to be, I don't even know if Burger King's even still around, but it used to be, you know, have it your way. And unfortunately, we see a lot of people that that's the way they want to live their, 
and walk, their walk with Christ. We want to have it our way. But he says, listen, come and follow me. Follow me. Be obedient. We have some people that say, you know what, God, I'll serve you, but I'm going to live the way that I want to live because I'm not convinced that you're always right. God, I, I want all the good stuff that comes with being and following an awesome God, but I really don't want to have that reverence or, or be in awe of you. I really don't want to do that. And can I tell you that, that if you want to get off the struggle bus, if you want to, to struggle less in your life, then, then you need to, to understand and realize that you need to surrender to the rightness of God. You need to, to see His awesomeness. You need to, to understand that He's holy, and you need to, to realize that He's always right. What is in this Word is true. And if I'm going to, to fully follow after Him, I have to obey it. And then at that moment, I'm no longer living my life to please me. I have people say, you know, I just think God wants me happy. No, He wants you obedient. He wants you obedient. When you can do that and you say, you know what, God, I'm not living my life to please myself, but I'm living my life to please you. That's why I live. And God, I'm going to surrender to your rightness to your holiness, to your awesomeness. See, listen, storms are going to come. Storms are going to come, and those storms are going to try to pull you away from those three truths. The enemy does not want you to be in awe of God. He doesn't want you to recognize how awesome that he is. He wants you to think that, that, that there's things in life that are just as awesome or more awesome than God is. He wants you to believe that. He doesn't want you to stand and have fear of God. He doesn't want you to be in reverence of Him. He doesn't want you to, to bow down before Him. He doesn't want you to, to submit your life to Him fully. He definitely doesn't want you to believe that God is always right. He is always trying to, to get us to, 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 to blur the lines. He is always trying to, to get us to say, just like he did in Genesis. Just when, when he was talking to, to Adam and Eve, and he said, yeah, I know God said this, but he didn't really mean it like that. That's not what he really meant. And if we could realize that that's what started this whole mess. That's why we are, through one man, sin entered the world. And how was it? It was because the enemy was trying to convince mankind that God didn't mean what he said. That God wasn't always right. He's always going to try to pull you away. He's going to try to, to, to pull me away. But when we can understand and we can live in the fear of God, the reverence of God, understanding that he's awesome, understanding that he's holy, understanding that he's right, when we can do that, when we can see him as awesome regardless of the circumstances, If you can stand today and look at everything that's going around and you could still say, God, you're awesome, you're on the right track. You're on the right track because everything around us 
If we're looking with our own human eyes, we're thinking, God, where are you? But when we have the right perspective of God, we know exactly where he is. And we know exactly what he is. He's awesome. He's good no matter what. He's done for us what no one else could ever do. When we talked about the children of Israel being freed from bondage, only God could have done that. We look at our life, and if we've trusted in Him, He's freed us from bondage. Only God could do that. And when we can understand that, understand that He's worthy of our worship, and when you can do that, you'll begin to follow after Him. And when you follow after Him and, and, and you will see that His Word works, you'll see that it works. And then you'll begin to, to ask the question, God, how should I live my life? And then when you get the answer, you begin to, to, to apply it. You apply this Word to your life and you begin to live in that manner. And when you do that, you begin to develop a, a freedom and a confidence in knowing that he's awesome, that he's holy, and that he's right. He tells us in his word, he said, test me. Test me. I'll prove to you. He said, just trust me. How do you see God today? How do you see him? Do you see him as an, an angry God who is just waiting for you to mess up? Do you see him as, as an angry God who is just, that would, you would rather not get close to because you're afraid that when you get close to him, he's going to see you for who you really are and he's not going to like you? Have you ever had that thought in your life? You're like, man, I, I think that person sort of, you know, they sort of like me but I don't really want to get close to them because if they really know who I am, if they really begin to understand and, and realize and see me for me that they may not like me, so you, you keep away from them? Do you have that view of God? Do you have that, that aspect of God in your life? And you see Him as an angry God who is just waiting for you to mess up? Someone that you, you don't want to get close to? Or do you see him as someone who is awesome? Someone who will look past your faults, look past your, your shortcomings, who will love you unconditionally. Do you stand on Romans chapter 8 that says, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? How do you view him? Do you see him as just... Uh, the big Santa Claus in the sky that will give you good things, just a, you know, a good friend, a good old buddy? Or do you see him as holy? Do you see him as someone that, that you should have a healthy fear of? Someone that you could stand in awe of and just look into the heavens and say, God, you're so awesome. You're so holy. That you want to bow down before Him and lift up His name? Do you see Him as someone who you will listen or 
agree with as long as he's saying what you want him to say? As long as he's doing what you want him to do? Is that the way you see God? Or do you see him as someone who you will listen to even if it may not benefit you? Someone that it's not what you want to hear, you just ignore it. You do as Adam and Eve did. How do you see God? Do you simply see Him in that manner or do you see Him as right? Do you look at this Word and live your life according to it? See, it's a challenge in the world that we live in today. Because we are faced every moment, every moment, we are challenged to believe in God is awesome. To proclaiming that He's holy. And to understanding that He's always right. But if we can do those three things, if we can do those three things, I can promise you, it'll change your life. It will change your life. Listen, if if I wasn't convinced of that, if I wasn't convinced that God was awesome and that He was holy and that He was right, I can promise you that I wouldn't be standing up here. I can promise you that I would be doing something else with my life. But I'm 100% convinced without any doubt, that life with Christ is better. And what I want more than anything in my life is for the people around me to understand that as well. It's so important. It's what we're called to do. And because I've seen it play out in my life over and over again, I'm convinced. And I stand up here today and I proclaim that God is awesome, that God is holy, and that God is right. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Here's how we're going to close this service today. I want you to take just a moment and just take a deep breath. That breath that you just took in and let out. It's because God is awesome. Let that into your spirit this morning. God is awesome. He's holy. He's right. We're going to pray. And my prayer for myself, my prayer for you, is that we can leave here today with a different 
perspective on who God is. That we'll stop viewing Him as, as maybe something we see in the comic strips when somebody messes up and you know they draw a lightning bolt from the sky or something that we see in the cartoons. God doesn't want you to view Him that way. He sent His only Son to die on the cross for our shortcomings. That's an awesome God. So we're going to pray. Ask God to help you. And then we're going to close and then we're going to sing this song and proclaim that He's good. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. God, I am so thankful for each person that is gathered here in this auditorium. God, I'm so thankful that for your word. God, I'm so thankful that it is true. God, I'm so thankful that you have told us that it is your promises are yes and they're amen. God, I pray that for any person that walked in here today with the wrong view of who you truly are, God, that any of these three things that we've talked about, maybe that they, they, they are skewed as to, to what they believe and the way that they view you. God, allow us to know and to realize that our perspective of you, God, will change our lives when they line up with your word. God, for those who are struggling, knowing that you're good, God, reassure them this morning that you're awesome, that you're good. God, for those who may be tempted to try to, to run from you because they're, they're afraid of, of really selling out, really knowing you, because they're afraid of what you may actually think. God, I pray, Father, that you will speak to their hearts this morning. God, for those who are tempted to Pick and choose what's in the Word and what's in your Word. God, may you allow us to know that you're right. God, help us to sell out completely to you. God, we know that life with you is just better. God, we proclaim that this morning. Father, do a work that only you can do. No one else. In the name of Jesus. Amen.